I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. We're two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Eve. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hi. How are you? Jittery. Watching that trailer was a lot. (laughs) Yeah, we will put the link to the trailer that we're not necessarily mentioning right now in the show notes i guess it's yeah, also so if you in know anybody you know slack see if you recognize any faces or voices in that trailer yeah uh keeping secrets for a long time yeah soon there won't be secrets in the meantime sort of related to the trailer we're talking about uh, a book today oh yes Becoming free indeed. Ginger Duggar Buolo uh, has written a memoir, not yep. about deconstructing, no disentangling. Yes, yes. Let us not get confused about the difference between deconstructing, which is bad, and disentangling, which is good. And she writes a whole book about it, but the TLDR is that if you deconstruct, that means you leave Christianity and that's bad. But if Mm -hmm. you disentangle, that means you stay Christian and that's good. Mm -hmm. She doesn't say that ATI was a cult. Mm -mm. But she also doesn't really look into what a cult is. Otherwise, I think she might have some questions about where she landed. We should we should stop talking about it in the middle of the conversation. And actually, go to the beginning. <laughs> yes, yeah. So Ginger Duggar wrote a book, and because Kieran and I sort of grew up on the free Ginger web forums, or at least I did. I was there occasionally. I didn't spend like a lot of time there, but it was a really eye opening. way of like seeing how the rest of the world saw how we grew up yes so we did a lot of like talking to each other about what was wrong and then comparing notes with like what normies were like versus Mm -hmm. what our experience of life had been but that was like the first time we were like front and center seeing like people being like really freaked out by how we were raised i think yeah yeah it was one of the first places that I realized that like to the outside world what I grew up in looked like a cult and like that a lot of the things I experienced were wrong actually that like like on a on a normal person level of people who like knew nothing from this were like oh that is fucked up and it was very validating and also like horrifying I will say like one of the reasons that like you know, we're so be patient. We, we're, we're so like quick to recommend people being like patient and available and not judgmental to people to help them get out of these sort of situations is because free gender didn't help us get out. It helped us like put some stuff together. Mm-hmm. But like the folks in free gender were mean. <laughs> yes. So mean. And that was not fun. No. No. It was a good source of gossip for like later on figuring out who else was leaving, but like it was not it was not helpful to like actually 
like make sense of our world. No. And it wasn't like, it wasn't great for like personal growth and, and like needing the patients to like heal and like come to grips with everything. Cause it was just sort of like this sort of, Oh, that's so funny. You grow up in this like terrible environment. Mm -hmm. Ha sucks to be you. And it's like, cool. Thanks. Early, early days of this podcast, we had an interview with Jen Matu, who's a YA author um, who wrote a book devoted about a girl who escapes um, Quiverful, which she used us as kind of source material for. And the reason we got connected to her is the Free Gender Forum. Yeah. Um, Because so she started like looking for people who were talking publicly about escaping and had come from, she went from like watching the TLC show about the Duggars, 19 19 kids and counting to like going onto the, the forum to like try to find other people who were talking about it and then being like, these people are really mean. This is like a lot. How do the people who are like leaving this world feel about it? And that's kind of how she ended up talking to us. But it was, it was really interesting. Like the forums, I think they're still going there. I think they're still active. I think they, I think they exist still. They talked about our podcast at the start of when we started our podcast, mm-hmm. you know, cause this is a, a community of people who are like relentlessly voyeuristic to quiverful life. And it is real intense and gross so it's interesting that ginger talks about like part of her motivation for writing this memoir is like kind of to tell her story and like and some some of the speculation that was happening in there and like one of the reasons that there were like early schisms in the ex-quiverful movement is that some people went along with the free ginger stuff to like openly speculate about the kids' spe- sexuality. Mm-hmm. So the free gender forums were like kind of formed around the idea that like gender seemed to have the most spunk of any of the kids and might be gay, question mark. Mm-hmm. So they, there was a lot of like speculating and like talking about like, could we get her out and all that stuff. Very publicly in places where parents and authority figures and people who could make her life or the lives of any other queer Duggar kids. Absolute hell. So like former quiverful parents who had seen the light and left and were like (coughs) (laughs) deconstructing, um, were speculating about Duggar kids possibly being gay in a very public way. And we, kids of the quiverful movement were super upset because this was, it's kind of like the, like, you know, teachers outing kids to parents in school. It is situation that we're talking about. It's like, if they are like, then they will be found out by their parents because this will initiate scrutiny and their lives will get so much worse immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And for, for anyone who isn't understanding the subtext here, like in this community, there's a whole bunch of weight put on avoiding the appearance of evil. Mm-hmm. So you must avoid the appearance of being gay at all costs. And if the internet is speculating that you're gay, then you're obviously not avoiding the appearance of being gay. So like 
you know, one of Kieran's earliest pieces online was for Vicky Garrison's website, No Longer Quivering, which is like about her process of leaving, which was a super helpful website for a lot of us. Yeah. But because she wouldn't drop this kind of free ginger style speculation, like a lot of us like publicly parted ways with her and we're just like, we can't endorse this. You are like endangering lives of children. Yeah, yeah. She had thought it would be cool to host a bunch of like stories of children who grew up quiverful. So a bunch of us had stories on there. And when that all went down, we all demanded our stories be removed. And so uh, a link in the show notes to my story that I now host on my own website that Mm -hmm. I originally put there that I wrote when I was 19. But like it's this is this is what free ginger free ginger led to. (laughs) Yeah. So. I didn't really mean to get into inter-community drama. Like, I don't, like, think that, that like, Vicky is a bad person or, like, wish her ill or anything. I just, like, that was that was unconscionable and we can't. The parent perspective is really difficult for a lot of the kids who grew up in this movement, too. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much, like, work that we have to do to emotionally, like, manage their guilt and grief and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's only worth it in rare circumstances. Like, you know, my mom, <laughs> where right. she, like she's putting in a lot of effort and is like ready to hear that she was wrong. And Vicky really wasn't then mm-hmm. anyway. But the other result yeah. of the free ginger forums is this book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, like being the person to tell your story to a community that is speculating about you, I can relate to very deeply and very strongly. So it did feel, it did feel a lot. And I mean, she explicitly said that like, this book is like for the people who knew her from free ginger knew her, but also to her friends who she sees leaving the faith and has um, deep, deep concerns about. And it's, uh, I was not expecting it to be as theology heavy as it was for a memoir, honestly. If you can call yeah. it theology, it it's still very it's still a very light read, but the like amount of like work that she has done to unlearn the stuff that she grew up with in IBLP and ATI is largely centered around theological reframing of Mm -hmm. various beliefs. Like there's a whole section on like, what is the Bible and how do you read the Bible? And like, what is it for? And like talking about how Gothard proof texted everything. And, you know, there's a lot of these like moments where she's like almost there and figuring out like the problems with, you know, contemporary American evangelical exegesis. Mm Mm-hmm. But she only goes so far as to examine the problems in Gothard's methods, not not any further. <laughs> yeah. She is so, so very close. And I want to be like kind of right off the bat, lay the expectations. Like this is like she's only just kind of beginning her process of leaving. Mm-hmm. Like this is very, very early stage for her. Like you and I were talking early about how this is a book that we would have written like 15 years ago. When we had yeah. first left. I was I was telling Karen while I was like, we were prepping for this. I was like, this is the book I would have written if I'd written a 
book when I was like newly wed, just left Sovereign Grace and was like still trying very hard to be Christian and was like, well, like the teachings of Jesus like seem pretty good. And I feel like I, I ought to be able to find a community that like loves gay people and like loves women's ability to have autonomy over their bodies and like mm-hmm. isn't full of bigots and still like appreciate scriptures and stuff. So it was like, there's a lot that I like, there's a lot more that she could say and do and acknowledge and understand. And we're just not going to go there because like you can't push someone down a road. Yeah. Yeah. She's not, she's not there yet. Like this, this book is where she's at right now. And this is like, maybe not everything that a lot of people hoped or wanted it or expected it to be like, she even makes a point to say like, if you were hoping that this would be the book where I'm like agnostic and everything and like giving up on that, then like you're out of luck. That's not where I'm at. Like she is still very much in that world, but she has left the rigidity of IBLP and the rigidity of Gothard for marginally less rigidity reformed theology Mm -hmm. at John Mm -hmm. Piper's church. MacArthur's church. MacArthur's church. The, you know, yeah. West coast version. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to, uh, talk a little bit about what reformed is so this is really interesting because she's kind of following the same path that i followed right when i first was figuring shit out so ginger talks about like the accusations from the testimonials of women who had been abused by gothard that showed up on the recovering grace website which was a movement of like ex Gothardites, ex IBLP people talking about it being a cult experience. And it was a lot of them were still like very Christian, very conservative, but like this teacher caused harm. And that was kind of the beginning and the end of it. And like her, I was reading the, the, they called them the blogs. There were the like blogs. Tiny blogs. There was like Sovereign Grace survivors. <laughs> SGM survivors. Uh, God, I'm blanking on the names of the other two, but there were like three key blogs that were like documenting the abuses in Sovereign Grace Ministries. Recovering Grace was IBLP. IBLP. So the, so for me though, my journey out like follows her, her trajectory. So she sees the Recovering Grace stuff. I see the blogs. Mm-hmm. We're like this particular group that I have been in is, harmful and like centered on a man's leadership and vision. And like, you can't question the authority that seems bad. So like stepping outside of it to go to like a, a less like personality driven Mm -hmm. theological structure. And both of us found ourselves in like reformed theology, Presbyterian stuff. So she's like quoting John Piper and, uh, J.I. Packer and John MacArthur and all these like authors that I was reading as I was leaving Sovereign Grace Ministries. And I was like, wow, I love theology. I love reading the Bible and talking about theology with my friends. And like, you know, Presbyterians, 
have it down because like they're not focused on a man. They have this more democratic process of like, you know, accountability and making decisions in the church and like leadership choices. And like, you have to be accountable to a larger like community community about like how you're running a church and like no one person can be in charge. And that like really appealed to me. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of doing, she doesn't get into like the, the like politics of church leadership management stuff. Like I was going, but like, she's, she's drawn to the same things for similar reasons. So, you know, the reform theology is very like intellectual, a lot of like higher order logic stuff, close reading of text, but there's still a lot of limits on it in terms of like what it actually, you know, allows for in terms of like the human, the breadth of human experience. And it can be extremely harmful. And like, I find that a lot of people who are prone to high levels of anxiety and desiring like to outsource their roles, but who leave fundamentalism find their way to this like other mm-hmm. version of fundamentalism. Yeah. Yeah. Something that is, it's a really, really common trajectory that we've seen so many times. Like you leave hyper super fundamentalist for something like still fundamentalist, but you can like choose what length your pants are and how long your hair is and or that you're allowed to wear or pants. Or that you're allowed like, to wear pants. A little bit less micromanaging. It like puts some of the responsibility on the men for less stuff rather than putting it all on women to micromanage and like be modest about. Like Right. It's a, it's an it's a recalibration that feels very empowering when you've been so deeply, deeply oppressed. Mm-hmm but you're still outsourcing your decision-making, which you want to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, so when we, when we first started reading the book, you and I both made TikToks about this because in like the first paragraph, maybe not quite the first paragraph, but like within the first couple of pages, she talks about finding freedom and like what true freedom is and how like she thought that freedom was living with these series of rules down to like the minutia of what music you're allowed to listen to, what clothes you're allowed to wear, because that would bring you success in life. And that's like true freedom is doing these and, like, things. Freedom as like relief of all burden of responsibility for your choices and act like there's both yes. this like super intense, like, she's she still like really believes in like individual autonomy because of like the level of guilt she feels about like possibly unexamined sins and like refusing to take communion because she doesn't know if she has looked at all of her sins to be sure right. you know like but also like outsourcing the like some of that parsing of the the finer details of like what does this actually mean in like practical terms and what are the rules mm-hmm yeah, the freedom of like handing over all that choice to a leader. Right. 
the freedom of not having any agency or autonomy, or as uh, I think a lot of mental health professionals like to call it, learned helplessness, mm-hmm. which is something that's super common when you grow up raised as a girl in this environment. It's like one of the things my parents used to say to me a lot was that um, being a girl was just better. And the reason that being a girl was just better was because I would never have to worry about having a job and providing for my family. (laughs) I would never have to worry about figuring out like who to vote for or worry about like any kind of the normal like adult stuff that you have to think about outside of like grocery shopping and managing the household. (laughs) oh it's like there's like a whole like academic rabbit trail to go down on about like how this concept of like that as like a this infantilization of womanhood as biblical kind of like came about and the like victorian angel in the house is like your your keyword to go down Mm -hmm. the rabbit rabbit trail but like the the relief of not having to make those decisions also like puts the the consequences for being wrong on the leader which is like this you know a, a piece that she doesn't examine which i think the older we get and the further we get out from this stuff like the more we have these like moments of like where was my responsibility here for like participating in this like mm-hmm. you know holding parents of quiverful kids accountable like the, yes the moms had no power and also like people have gotten out of worse situations because mm-hmm. they decided to get out of worse like right this is that like that trap there of yes uh Josh Duggar's wife could take the kids and leave and like we should hope for that for her but also she doesn't have any autonomy and she doesn't have resources and she doesn't have community because she's like intentionally curated a kind of learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. And like she chose that helplessness, but now she is trapped because of it. Right. And it's like, it's this lovely cycle that is like, it's very difficult. Like it's not impossible, but it's very difficult to get out of it. You have to like get your brain out of that first, which I think is sort of like the hardest thing to do is to realize like, oh, I am allowed to have choice, which like Ginger almost gets because, and the reason that we titled this episode, Ginger, not a Stepford wife is, is because (laughs) this is like a thread that she almost pulls on. And so Mm -hmm. in, in the beginning, her husband, yeah, it's a quote from her husband because she was having she she wouldn't express an opinion. Like mm-hmm. their their entire first year of marriage, she like didn't express her own opinions on literally anything at all because she was taught that to be a good wife, you have to submit to your husband, which means whatever the fuck he wants goes, even down to like the color of your curtains. So there's like an an abnegation of personality that she cultivated. Right. Which is like, honestly, this is something that I still have a hard time with too, because I was also taught to just like not, and I don't like for small things, I don't really care enough to be like, 
yeah, no, I'd rather watch this than the other thing. So I'm like, sure, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. And that's something that I'm like actively working on. <laughs> my, my body still thinks that like e- expressing a need is a big conflict. Like, yes, even if it's not, even if like the conversation is fine and the results are fine and everybody's happy. Like my body still acts like it is a fight or flight moment for my entire nervous system. And we have been out for over a decade and this is still shit that we're working on. So Ginger has been out for like three years at best. And her husband is still coaxing her to like have a preference. Yeah. So this is very, very understandable. And like the reason that it, it really struck me as hard as it did is just because like, there's so much to it. So I'm just going to quote from like the beginning of the book first. And so uh, this is like the first couple pages. But along my journey of disentanglement, I've come to see that unfettered freedom does not produce the good life. In the end, it often leads to more bondage. Why? Because it puts me in charge of my life and I am not the best judge of what is best for me. And she goes to explain, if given limitless options and the responsibility of figuring out what is going to make me truly happy, I struggle to commit to anything. I have the same problem when I try to pick a show on Netflix. I just keep scrolling, always wondering if there's a better show out there. In the case of life's big decisions, the question becomes, is there a better job, home, or relationship? I'm left to constantly second-guess my choices. However, the opposite of total freedom, man-made rules, is also a false version of the good life. And like... I just, I just want to like go up to her and give her a little bit of mushrooms and be like, have fun. Yeah. Tiny, (laughs) tiny bit of acid. She already lives by Joshua tree. Like you're you're almost it. And I, I, what I am saying by saying I wish I could give her mushrooms. is like the, the going from every decision matters so much. And also I have no authority over this. To every decision matters so much. And I have authority over this to interpret based off of God's will. And I can have some autonomy in terms of like how I choose, but everything still matters. She needs to like flip and get to the other side of like everything matters so much because none of it matters. And right. You, you can't like you can make like a better choice out of two bad choices or you can make a, a good cho- choice out of two good choices. But like you, there's no like right or wrong specifically mm-hmm. most of the time it is not like that cut and dried. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's so close. She's so, so close. And so when I saw that, I made a TikTok about it. Cause it's like, there's so much to unpack there. Like I get that, mm-hmm. but like that is a trauma response. Mm-hmm. That, that level of indecision over like Netflix, like, like when people, when people, when I was like just out and people asked me like what I wanted, I would freeze and panic because I didn't know because I never had that opportunity to learn and neither did she. And so she's having this full on panic attack, this out of body experience when people are asking her these simple things. She's so confused. It's like, it's trauma. <laughs> yeah. Decision paralysis as a result of anxiety or as a result of depression is like a pretty common experience for trauma survivors from high control environments. And like, you know, this is me using high control groups, high control environments as opposed to cults, because like that's that's what that's what 
makes you understand why that specifically mm-hmm. becomes a, a trauma response from that experience. It's like when you have that high control thing, you're not practiced in making these choices. So like, yeah, of course she's going to be scrolling Netflix and be like paralyzed about like what to choose because the stakes for every other choice for her whole life have been elevated to having her health pick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she hasn't quite found the freedom that comes with realizing that like, not everything is heaven and hell. Like shit just is and just is, is okay. Yeah. Well, one of the things that like a lot of us who get out, you know, spend a lot of time processing when they have their kids. And I kind of wish she had talked a little bit more about this because I feel like this is a subtext for some of her, her, her epiphanies here. But like we realize that the way we were raised, the first time obedience, no sense of autonomy, like sublimination of all of your desires and needs for the, the, the sake of the, the project or the group or whatever, um, is kind of preparing people to be victims of abuse and victims of like other high control groups, sexual predators, narcissists, people who want to like use you. And when people who leave these fundamentalist groups like have kids, a lot of them like have like a second round of breakthroughs in understanding how serious the shit that they were raised when was because they're, they're figuring out like these like key moments of I'm letting my child, you know, make irrational decisions because they don't have actual consequences. Like, yeah, sure. You can wear polka dots and scratch to the grocery store, whatever. Right. But, you know, in, in Duggarland, that's a, no, you can't because that's reflecting badly on homeschooling and on God and on Duggar, on Gothard. Like, you know, yep. those kinds of things, like they matter. They really, really matter. And so I wish she had, she talks a little bit about like how she wants her children's lives to be different, but she doesn't really talk about that, like developing a sense of self and being able to tell, you know, creepy uncle, no, I don't want to hug. Right. <laughs> yeah a huge moment for so many folks (laughs) right yeah yeah all of my friends who grew up the way we did who have kids have all had that like reckoning that and realizing that like hitting their kids isn't okay like there are better ways to like enforce good behavior than beating a child yeah she doesn't talk about spanking does she no not at all yeah Oof. Yeah, so like that's all, I, that's all I got. There's a lot there's a lot to the book that I feel like it it reflects where she's at right now. And it's, mm. you know, if you've been out for a really long time and are really hoping that this book is going to be sort of like she has also come with us on this journey, she's not there yet. And that's okay, like she's a little hatchling. She just got out. It's fine. <laughs> And it it may take a really, really, really long time to, for her to figure some of these things out. And that's okay. That happens. 
maybe it'll take her, you know, 20 years to like figure out some of this stuff that we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, and maybe she won't figure it out, but like, it's cool to see like the overlap in where she is with where we came from and like, you know, recognize our, our journeys and hers and to have like hope for her to like get to experience like the relief from existential anxiety and decision paralysis and all these things that like we get to live with now. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope that she continues to grow like her. The, the like first part of her book was the most interesting where she sets the stage for like how she got to where she is. And then the last like two thirds of the book become like a very poorly illustrated chick tract. And by poorly illustrated, I mean, there are no illustrations. You mean worse illustrated than the poorly illustrated chick tracts of our childhood? (laughs) There there are no illustrations in this chick tract. Um, And that's like, it's kind of really annoying. She, I, I mean, here's, here's the thing. Like she is, she is experiencing a level of psychic relief that felt previously unattainable to her because of where she's gotten and what she's shed. And that's really cool for her. And she misunderstands and mischaracterizes her companion ex Gothardite and their journeys as like their rejection of religion their rejection of Christianity, whatever. I think she gets really, really anxious imagining herself in that, in their shoes. Yeah. And so like the idea of going down the path that they have gone down feels really upsetting and stressful and like overwhelming in ways that like where she's at does not. And like might feel like going back in some ways because of the, the things she still believes about <laughs> her existence in the universe mm-hmm. would bring back a, like that kind of decision paralysis and the like heightened stakes for every decision. Yeah. If you leave the faith, then what, like what are your, what are your guideposts? And like a lot, that's a thing that like a lot of Christians talk about. It's like, Oh, you know, you leave and then you don't have any compass. And I'm like, right, right, right. It's, it's a it's a real easy thing to project. And so she doesn't understand like the the amount of relief that can be on the other side of that. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it is very like it's really understandable because a lot of the people who she knew and grew up with like our circles are very tiny. Josh Harris left like and has done his whole deconstruction self-help program thing. She thinks it's as ridiculous as we think it is, although she didn't finish the story and note that he took down his deconstruction kit a day after because we all yelled at him to be like, Josh, no. Yeah. (laughs) But like, so those are all the people she grew up in. Like, I'm sure that she also has this feeling of abandonment. Mm -hmm. Like she left her world. And so she doesn't know where she stands with anyone there. And then everyone else who she knows who has left has like, left 
left left we have we have jumped from fundamentalism to fundamentalism to less fundamentalism to out and some people need that like slow off ramp like yeah hello like kieran jumped eons ahead of me real quickly and i like took the slow off ramp for a long time um yes i am a taurus whatever (laughs) (laughs) and like like, uh, that's it's it makes sense and it's but doing mushrooms would accelerate it so <laughs> yes that would me. <laughs> that would accelerate it <laughs> but like but it may it makes sense that she spends so much of her book kind of in angst about those of us who have like left all the way because her worldview is still very narrow and it's expanded a bit but it's still like she's worried about her friends going to hell that makes sense i get that even though i don't believe in hell anymore (laughs) she can look back and see like what was bad about the way she was raised and attributes it all to uh to gothard not her parents and yeah i think i think and this is again why i keep saying mushrooms do mushrooms i don't think she has much imaginative capability at this point for what life could be like and so you know talking about her childhood in all of these rosy terms like it makes sense because she doesn't understand what it could have been mm-hmm. you know yeah my parents protected like my parents protected me my parents like loved me like they looked out for me they, they did the best for that they could like yes those things are all true and also like I don't think you understand like what a difference it would have been to like have parents who didn't make you anxious about your existence mm-hmm. from the get what it would have been like to have parents who like were enthusiastic about you as a human, as an individual with skills and like investing in them and not like just having more and more kids. Right. There's a, I mean, it, it took me a long time to get here too. It's like you, you had this like, key point of crisis with your parents that like made you leave and I had a key point of crisis with my parents that made me leave but I still didn't think that like everything about my childhood was bad Mm -hmm. until I started understanding more about child development and psychology and like you know I've talked about this so many times but like the first time I sat down and read the UN Rights of the Child yeah uh, convention terms like in peace corps in 2015 i'm just like losing my shit about imagining what my life could have been like if i had been in a world where those things were held up as values right and that like that was an imagination expanding experience for me so she hasn't had a lot of these like eye-opening oh fuck like it could have been not just like fine but like good right yeah which i think is something that a lot of us also have like that's part of the process is like expanding our imagination to realize oh it could have been good and like for me that happened like talking to other people about my story and hearing their stories and being like one them being absolutely horrified at my stories like like how is that mm-hmm. legal <laughs> like you are mm-hmm. your parents allowed what to happen and also hearing like of people whose like parents just like didn't treat them like shit 
<laughs> or like hearing about parents who like genuinely cared about you and like yeah. recognizing the difference and what that was like. Like, yeah, sure, my parents were involved, but like that doesn't mean that they like liked me for me or right. you know, these like these things that like would have are like recognizably different once you see it being done well on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Like even, even like my in-laws were mind blowing for me just because they treated their kids so differently than my parents treated, treated Mm -hmm. me. And then they treated me so differently than my parents treated me. And it was just like between like them and like their pastor, they were Mm -hmm. like my first path out and they they were like, oh no, like you can like see your children as human beings and not like little mini yous. Well, like my in laws, you know, like their story is their story, and they like they had their problems too. Like they they raised their kids in ATI for a good portion of their childhoods, and then they went to Sovereign Grace Ministries, but like my parents wouldn't let you sleep in because they needed your help. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember having this like huge moment of like, what the fuck of like the difference in going home from college for break to my mom's mom and dad's house versus staying at my, what would then be my in-laws house and like getting to sleep until one in the mm-hmm. afternoon and not mm-hmm. having anyone be mad at me for that or like think that was a problem and be like, Oh no, you needed your rest. Like you, you pulled all nighters to like finish finals. Yeah. Like, of course you were going to sleep. Like that's normal versus like be accusations of being lazy and like selfish, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, sleep is such a weird, like I had the, a very similar experience with my in-laws because I had to be up at home with my parents mm-hmm. at like 8 a.m. sharp with my bed made and breakfast ready. And mm-hmm. as soon as I like escaped and I was living between my in-laws and their pastors, like my body did that thing where like where you just crash and you crash hard because you're out of that danger mm-hmm. like sense. And so I would like I slept until like, like you, nine you or sleep 10. for years. Yeah. And I was like, I feel so guilty and like I'm being judged for like sleeping so long. And like I after I talked to people about it, they were like, No, it's fine, we get it. Like you you don't you don't have to wake up and have breakfast ready here. You mm-hmm. can sleep as long as you need to. And I was just like so relieved. Right. And so there's a lot of these like moments that I, I am excited for Ginger to experience. I'm excited for her kids to get the benefit of her experiencing these things. And, you know, just because your parents didn't like visibly like scar you doesn't mean they were like kind and good. Right. (laughs) Right. I don't know. Just like there's sorry, my chair squeaky. There's just so much. There's just so much that like I'm excited for her to experience and to, you know, figure out. Oof. I am excited for her to read literally any other book. Okay, you gotta tell us. Yeah, you gotta okay. Ex- so explain to them why why you're saying this. 
other be- besides the Bible. It's, it's besides the, the Bible. Yeah. So, uh, like, towards the end of her book, when she's talking about how important it is to still stay Christian, it's right. Like, did you read the More Than a Carpenter book? Mm mm. Okay, it's this very like it's, circular it's, it's Josh, logic. Josh book. McDowell, it's kind Josh of thing. McDowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a lot of Josh McDowell secondhand. I don't think I ever read a Josh McDowell book straight up. You're not missing much. I figured. Even yeah. then, I figured. Yeah. So <laughs> the whole thing is very this very kind of like circular, like you know, I believe the Bible because the Bible says it's true. I believe the Bible because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and my personal experience with these things. And it's very, so like, it's like the, the, the evangelical, like real watered down version of Pascal's wager, basically. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's way more long winded uh, than Pascal's wager, which I wasn't missing anything. No, no, you really, really weren't. (laughs) So anyway, uh, Ginger basically does that and at the end and she's like, here, this is why I believe in Jesus. And it's like, first, I trust the Bible because it's been proven again and again to be historically accurate. Just take a shot. Second, I trust the Bible because it has changed my life, which, okay. Uh... Third, I trust the Bible because of Jesus. Uh, okay. Uh, and 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 the the larger explanation that she gives for that is because, and I quote, no one could have invented the story of Jesus. It is too fascinating, too rich, too miraculous. So my hope for Ginger is to read literally any other book. Any other book. Any As other someone book. with a bachelor's in liter- English literature and a master's in creative writing... I have thoughts. <laughs> like, literally read any, any like, fanfic, any queer slash fanfic. Like, read, read anything. Harry Potter. Read anything by any queer person. <laughs> and, and the imaginative anything. capability will astound you. <sighs> have you heard of Kafka? Um, <laughs> <laughs> let Let's me, start let me, with let me tell, Tolkien. Let, let me talk about James Joyce. <laughs> like, let's go to Octavia Butler. Just, let's just let's start with Octavia just, Butler. Actually, just like literally anything that is vaguely speculative or queer or or radical at all. Oh Something that is not historical fiction, even historical fiction. But it's got to be heavy on the fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, though. (laughs) I just, I just saw that, and I, I just internally started screaming. Like I'm, I am so sorry. You know, again, again, again. The reframe here is: I am so excited for all of the cool books that she is going to get to read. Yes, there's so much in this world that she is going to have so much fun discovering. Uh, I hope she finds it soon. Yeah, I'm. I'm so. I'm so excited to see where she grows, and like what she reads next, and like just. And I just, 
Okay, now we can come back to like where we started, but like mm-hmm. I am really, really curious how this documentary is going to impact her. Yes. Yeah, me too. Go watch the trailer. Bye. Go watch the trailer. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening.